Hello and welcome to another edition of Cheers PA Beer Talk. I'm your host, Mike Lintel. We, as always, are joined each show with a guest from the brewing industry here in Pennsylvania. And today we have the head brewer from Naked Brewing Company in Huntington Valley, Pennsylvania, Hannah Godet. And thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome to be on this show today. So the first question we always ask everyone is, what is the beer that got them into craft? Do you have any fond memories of early beer drinking and saying like, there's something here that I want to be about or know more about? Yeah. So first of all, thank you so much for having me on. So the beer that got me into craft beer was actually uh, Appalachian Brewing Company's Water Gap Wheat. Uh, so I grew up in Harrisburg, just right up the road from the Susquehanna. Um, and so, you know, the river was obviously something that I grew up on and uh, kayaking on. So I was in college and a, um, it had formerly been a dive bar, uh, got bought out and turned into this awesome craft beer bar. Um, and that happened right around the time that I turned 21, super convenient. So they did that passport thing, you know, where like drink beers from different countries and mm-hmm. then, you know, get your, your passport stamped. And so I was bound and determined to try all these cool new beers. And um, one of the first ones that I tried was Appalachian uh, Burn Company's Water Gap Wheat. And I was like, wow, this is really good. And I would say just prior to that was when I also fell in love with Guinness. And so while maybe not necessarily on the craft scale, you know, it's still a really good beer. I would argue that it's extremely difficult to make that beer and like the craft (laughs) of making that beer on that scale that well for so long, I'll give them a pass because it's excellent. Tell me someone else that's doing a better Irish stout than on nitro. I think there is one. (laughs) Yeah. We also have a a keg of Guinness on tap at home at all times. So (laughs) it's dedication. We love Guinness at home. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Have you been down to the... uh, the brewery in Maryland since they've opened I up. I have. I have. I actually um, was fortunate enough to go. The first time I went was their St. Patrick's Day celebration before their tap room that exists now was even open. Um, this would have probably been 2017 or 18. Um, and I actually uh, had the opportunity to meet the person that was the head brewer at the time. Um, they've since moved on, but uh, her name is Holly and she is absolutely amazing. Um, and so she and I became friends and yeah, so I've been down there a number of times. Um, That's amazing. Really impressive facility. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And what a resource to have the ear of the head brewer. Uh, it like, I'm sure that helped in your development and just the things that you gleaned just by that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I said, she's just, she's a wealth of knowledge and she's amazing. Um, one of the other brewers, Sean came from Jolly Pumpkin. So um, he's also a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Some of their blended yeah. sours are insane, which is probably from what I understand, pretty near and dear to your heart. If you're not going oh, with the, the throwback wheats, I mean, you're, you're pretty sour centric, right? I do love sours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about the blending in the sours? Does like, is that your favorite part of it? Or is it just the building the base beer and then seeing as it evolves over time and just the evolution of the different barrels? Um, yes. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> yes, all of that. Um, no, I, I do love the, the whole process of, of sours and everything that goes into it. Um, you know, sometimes people ask me what's my favorite beer to brew, and that's a hard, a hard one for me to answer. It's not fair. It's not a fair question. It's not really. And, and honestly, the, the actual brewing process is 
not really all that different from beer yeah. beer. I mean, there's some, you know, minor tweaks here and there, but it's really not all that different. So yeah. uh, for me, the doing sours is where um, science meets art, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the science that tells you this beer is going to ferment to X point and this is what's going to happen. And you kind of can anticipate that. But then the art form comes in when you're actually blending because it's so subjective um and and you know this this is actually applicable to any barrel age project where you're you're having to blend um so i always use the analogy that it's it's like a an artist um has this paint palette right and they they see this beautiful sunset and they want to recreate that and they have these beautiful colors on their paint palette and so they're they're saying okay i'm going to use this orange and this red and this yellow and this purple and you know it's going to come together it's going to make this beautiful this beautiful painting um, but it's kind of the same concept when you have all these different barrels. It's just your palate is actually, you know, your tongue palate. Um, and so you're tasting all these different barrels, which are so unique um, in, in each of their own rights. And so you have these different flavors and aromas and different levels of acidity. And some are funkier than others. And some are more, you know, full bodied than others. And, and so you're, you have this, this idea in your mind of what you want this final product to taste like and what you want to create and so you're you're using all of these different barrels to create that final product um so yeah you can you tell that i get (laughs) no i I love it if we're being completely transparent i was caught in a daydream of blending uh cider for big hill and just like some of the things that i got to taste in the barrel room from barrel to barrel that would never, because of just oxygen and time and all the different factors, like, but in that moment that you taste something, you're like, I got to, no one else gets to see or taste or feel this, but like just seeing it at its peak of how great it is. And then other people enjoying it down the line, but just knowing how excellent that time in the moment is, it really anchors you in that moment. Cause it's hard work barreling beer and like the amount of labor that goes into moving liquid around and everything it's insanely yeah. difficult for the volume that you end up yielding it's so it's a true labor of love would you agree it really is and Absolutely. you have to put that into Absolutely. it or it's just gonna it'll come through as thin and lifeless like you have to put a little bit of yourself into those types of beer to really you know become one with the nature that makes that beer if that makes absolutely. sense absolutely and i i would actually argue that you have to put a little bit of yourself into every beer that you brew regardless of whether it's um you know a, a barrel age or a blended project or or whatever um so yeah yeah totally. you're totally right though <laughs> okay well yeah. uh also i recently realized that you are celebrating your one year brewing anniversary so congratulations one year okay. in, as head brewer yeah, I was just gonna say. So yeah. one year is head brewer at, at Naked. Naked. Yep. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. How so did my you, uh... actual like professional brewer oh. anniversary was uh, in July, like middle of July. Um, so we're, we're pretty close. And that was, yeah, it would have been six years. So. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> to all of that. Um, in the uh, in your first year, uh, did you have any beers that you really enjoyed making um, and that you're excited about seeing them evolve uh, at Naked through the next couple of years? Yeah, I mean, so I'm very intentional with everything that I do, from recipe development to um, working with our our artists on label design um, to the social media marketing photos that are taken to even the ad copy that is um, posted on social media. So I'm very, very, very intentional with all of those things. And I have this 
big picture in my mind um, of what I want something to be or, or the, the thought or the emotion that I want it to evoke from somebody when they're drinking it, the experience that I hope somebody has uh, when they're drinking any of the beers that I do. And honestly, I every single beer that I do, I have that mentality about. So um, for me to be more excited about one than another is not not necessarily something that I can say, yeah, um, you know. It would be disingenuous, given, yeah, 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 yeah. Given, no, I completely understand that. And I think that that's really evident. I mean, I was reading through the copy on effervescent reflections in that. The thing that caught me was the chamomile. We grow chamomile at the house for tea, and it's such a pain to pick it. And you could have obviously gone to a much easier way to source your chamomile. But the fact that you're utilizing local Doylestown farm chamomile. Yeah. Now, are you doing the picking yourself? Or are they letting yeah, you in the did. That's yep. insane. It's so, yep. But the smell of being around that much fresh chamomile, oh, totally worth it. It was, honestly, yeah. that day was probably one of the most magical days that I've had um, in my brewing career for so many different reasons. Um, the, the people that own Barefoot Botanicals uh, Farm, which is where we got the chamomile from, uh, Linda and Eric are just two of the most lovely people you will ever meet. Um, I just, I, they have such a special place in my heart. Um, and then even more special than that was that my mom actually came out um, oh, and was part of that day. Yeah. So that was really, really, really special. My mom and I both absolutely love chamomile. Um, and like the idea of using something wild and from the earth uh in this beer was just you know something that, that resonates with me and, and resonates with my mom even though she's not a huge beer beer drinker she will she will have and try and she appreciates it and she loves nerding out with me and you know talking about different flavors and stuff like that um but yeah so that was a, that was a really special day <laughs> that's amazing and what a great yeah. beer to pair it with because i imagine like the sweet aroma of that chamomile with the saison mm -hmm. and a little bit of that earthy funk really just creates a full bouquet of just a lot going on, but all very well, as you said, intentional within the same yeah. uh, atmosphere. So very cool. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. So, yeah. so another thing that you got involved in this year is the uh, diversity and inclusion uh, committee for the breweries of Pennsylvania. Can you tell me a little bit about kind of the genesis of where the decisions were made to start this committee and some of the impactful work that you've already been able to do in such a short time? Yeah, so um, I am part of the, the Brewers of Pennsylvania and it's actually um, Equity and Inclusion Committee. My um, apologies. We, we chose, no, 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 it's okay. But we, and I, I will explain this, we actually chose to drop the word diversity from it and I'll explain why um, in just a second. But I'm also part of the uh, Master Brewers Association of the Americas, um, the EI committee as well. Um, so yeah, so two different committees that, um, that I do work in this, this realm. So joining the BOP Equity and Inclusion Committee um, happened maybe February of 2020. Um, and that actually came about as the result of some unfortunate incidents that had happened uh, that for me were sort of the final straw. And I said, never again is this going to happen to me. Um, and my hope is that I can prevent these types of things from happening to others. And God forbid, if I can't prevent them from happening, at least I can try to provide and be part of something that helps to provide a support network and some resources um, and some some structure so that 
Structure is a good have, way of putting it. I mean, because yeah. it's partly training, and but it's also partly channels so that you don't feel like when you say something, it goes nowhere. And you're trapped within right. little tiny pockets of just oppression. And it allows there to be some vertical uh, accountability. Yeah, yeah, accountability. Yes, thank you. And it's important that we create those spaces so that brave stories can be told allowing more of a yeah more of an open conversation about this because not everyone is terrible but there are terrible things and terrible people out there and if we allow silence around these things because they make you uncomfortable or you don't want to talk about them or you know I don't know anything about you know someone that this has happened to I can promise anybody that's hearing this like that you may have never heard of it but I guarantee just how rampant this issue is it's real and so doing the work of creating the steps for people to talk about it and learn how to talk about it so that they can feel comfortable because, you know, some people feel persecuted and chased and others feel like, well, I didn't do anything, but what are they going to come? It's not about that. Just learn and listen, turn your mouth off. Don't go into it feeling judgmental. And what I've seen your work look like has been very welcoming, non-threatening and just about education towards accountability. And there's so many things that you said in in that statement that are 100% true. Um, the first being that it provides a space, right? Um, a space for people to to come to, a safe space, um, and a, a place for uh, people to not feel alone. Uh, because I think that that's one of the the biggest struggles. And um, you know, there's a couple different things that I, I think prevent people from either standing up for themselves reporting incidents that happen or standing up for others around them. Um, and I think, I think, you know, one of those biggest things is, well, then what, what happens after you, you, you break this open? Um, Cause mm -hmm. you can't put it back. Mm -hmm. um, so, so then what happens? And, and that fear of being ostracized or not supported when you've already experienced something that is um, potentially traumatic and and then you are reliving it as you're retelling it but then to have people that either don't believe you or attack you for what you're saying or just don't provide any level of support for you is hugely detrimental and that's the reason why so many people keep things inside and choose not to report it uh, because it's i don't want to say that it's almost harder things almost become harder once you report it but they kind of do Society um, is not geared towards supporting that. And that's what I think no. is so important about this work is that it's opening up a dialogue around how we show support and that right. not everyone is okay. And it's not, it's okay, but we need to figure out a way to be able to talk about these things and not be threatened by mental health and traumatic experience that happen to one another. Because if we can provide that level of support to one another, we're regaining a little bit of the humanity that we've lost along the way. And I think that's what's so important about what you are attempting to do and why this work. We had Melissa Walter and Tim White on previously and just wonderfully empowered and impassioned and so focused in the work in different sectors that they're all trying to achieve. And I just think that's what's so nice about what the committee looks like right now is you have very authentic and intentional people that are working in very uh, related areas, but not all in the same one. So you're, I feel like you're covering more mm -hmm. ground and it's more um, important at this time. And we need 
quicker turnaround to get more ground covered than just, you know, blazing full charge into one conversation. It needs to be a lot of conversations around a lot of things because we are wildly behind in. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yes to everything that you just said. And I I think that one of the uh, things that a lot of people forget about is um, just listening (laughs) You know, like it doesn't, not every conversation has to be an argument. Not every conversation has to be something that you contribute anything to. Um, you know, I, I understand this and I'm, I'm guilty of it too. When somebody shares a story with you, especially when it's something that's very personal and they share a story with you and, and you provide anecdotal things that have happened either in your life or to a friend or somebody and you say, oh yeah, well, my friend or, oh yeah, this one time this happened to me. Um, it's our way of trying to connect, right? And, and trying to um, engage and, and in some regards, maybe make that person feel a little less alone. But at the same time, just listen, just shh and listen. <laughs> um, because it's, it's hard enough to talk about this stuff, um, let alone to talk about it in a space where you feel comfortable, not judged and like, it's not a competition, <laughs> you know. Um, if you if you want to provide any anything to the the conversation, um, it should be asking questions and how you can be better, how you can support that person, how you can support their endeavors um, to to create a more equitable and just environment. Um, you know, one of the reasons why we chose to drop uh, diversity from the name of the uh, committee. For a couple of reasons, but the, the biggest one, and this is something that um, I love sharing with people because it, it was very mind blowing for me and very eye opening for me the first time that I heard this. Um, so we, we hear the word diversity thrown around a lot, right? And diversity is great. Um, we should all strive for it. But diversity is not the driver. Diversity is the end result. How you achieve diversity is by creating an equitable environment, an inclusive environment, and one that is more just for everybody. That is how you create diversity. Um, And so while, yes, it is super, super, super important that that is what we should all strive for, you can't just jump to that. Um, You can't just say, how do I create diversity in, in my establishment? Okay, well, there's a whole lot of <laughs> groundwork that needs to be done uh, before you can can do that. No, it's all about just providing equal opportunity and the rest yeah. of the stuff, everything else will work itself out if we just all start treating one another as equals. And you said impactful work and asking questions about that. And that reminded me of the MASH and how did this concept, because I think it's brilliant, the video series that you're doing and mm-hmm. just the conversations and the level of intimacy within the presenter. It's just, it's such a great space. And these conversations are wonderful. Uh, Are there more planned for the rest of the year? Is this something that's going to continue on? Because I think it's phenomenal. And I really am excited the direction of the project. There are more planned for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, How it came about. So it was somewhat of a collaborative um, idea, but I will say that um, Meg, who is the production manager or operations manager, I'm sorry. Sorry, Meg, I forget your title, uh, for North Country Brewing. Um, so she's the committee chair. She's also on the BOP board. Uh, so this is sort of something that was her idea. Um, and she's definitely sort of spearheaded a lot of the 
back end production <laughs> portion of that stuff because it was not my forte. I can tell you that. Uh, I can talk all day long, but you asked me to. to but you know, do with your strength. Like, eh. <laughs> 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 Does it just magically happen? I don't know. <laughs> um, so so yeah, so it it really came about again is you know we wanted to share stories. Um, of of people that are doing work, doing things to change this environment. Um, we also wanted to again provide resources for people to to reference um, because I think you, you had you had mentioned something about education earlier. Um, I will stand on that platform all day long. Um, that is probably my biggest thing that I push is is just education, and that doesn't have to be any sort of formalized, sit in a classroom type of education, you know, conversations like this, listening to, um, you know, podcasts and live streams like this, reading articles, that's a level of education, um, you know, engaging in conversations with people that have outside perspectives or different perspectives from what you have, um, different experiences, like that's all part of education. And so always being able to have something that you can reference um, and a, a, a source that you can go to to find different stories um, is something that we were sort of like, yeah, let's do this. Like we have this platform, we have this voice, we have this organization that is supporting this endeavor. Let's do this. Yes. Um, so, yeah. No, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's beautiful it's work. Cool. Yeah, it's super yeah. cool. Like I'm just thrilled that, you know, it's varied per, uh, perspectives, both from who the presenters are, but also the guests you're getting are right, tremendous mm -hmm. stories. So, Wonderful work. Keep it up. Can't wait to see your next one. Um, I also, another thing I realized, this is a little tangential, but I'm going to shift gears here. You like came up at like the farm, like the best, like the, the training ground of homebrew supplies to brewery. Like, that story blew my mind. Like, can you, yeah. like, what was it like in that environment with just that cast over the years and just, Wow. Yeah, so so you're referencing the fact that I started at Keystone Homebrew Supply. Yeah, Keystone no, Homebrew Supply yeah. in Montgomeryville okay. is just like yeah. a, right. The names were just tremendous. Yeah, so it's funny because I I was just on a, a Zoom call with a friend at the brewer over in Austria yesterday, and we were talking about you know our our beginnings, and um, I mentioned Keystone Homebrew Supply, and he was like. I feel like I've heard of that in Austria. <laughs> um, so what's funny about that is, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago, before uh, some of these other online um, supply, you know, retailers were, were available, Keystone was kind of the, the one. Um, no idea. They've, they've been around for, I should know this, let's say 25 years. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I, I, I believe it. It's, it's close to that, um, yeah. somewhere in that 25 to 26 year range. So uh, they've been around for a long time. Um, and so, especially being in the Philadelphia suburbs, which, you know, Philly, Pennsylvania in general has such a great craft beer scene, but Philly for oh, sure it's has. Insane. Yeah, just, it's, it's not know, even it's, fair. It's intense um, and amazing craft beer scene. So, you know, Keystone provided this place that people could get a start you know they they did classes there's that education thing again yeah. <laughs> um you know they they taught classes i taught classes there um that's, and that's so how i learned homebrew is at a local homebrew so supply I just go yep. and listen and learn and then absorb everything spend and hundreds <laughs> of dollars notes. on buckets and then <laughs> yeah. you are in 
Yeah. It's such a great business model. I loved it. Yeah. But I also learned so, a lot and it was super important just for the overall growth of, but anyways, I digress. Yeah. No, no, no. It's okay. So, so yeah. yeah. So there's there's a lot of people that um, have ended up in the industry that either got their start as customers there or uh, as employees there. Um, myself, uh, John Sumler, um, Adam Crockett, uh, Joe Getz, uh, Tim Brown. I'm sure that I'm forgetting some others. <laughs> okay. This wasn't a quiz. Um, I just, I just and, couldn't, like, the list was, I was expecting, like, oh, like, a couple people worked here, but just kept going. I was like, this is insane. Yeah. Oh, Ryan C's. Um, they just opened Warwick Farm. So, yeah. I haven't yep. been yet, but it looks fun, pretty insane. Fun fact about Ryan and his dad. Uh, they took their first homebrew class, and I taught them. <laughs> so. so is it like seeing, like, your own child going out in the world? and like, kind of, Yeah. A little bit. A little bit, a little bit, but at the same time, like, right. I mean, I've known Ryan for, I don't know, four years, probably, um, four or five, well, no, probably longer than that. It doesn't matter anyway. Um, and so they've been building this brand and working on it for a number of years. So, um, yes, I'm, I'm so excited for them. Like when they did their first, uh, farm beer garden weekend, you know, I took them a bottle of the champagne and nice. like this is this is a big moment and i'll probably do the same whenever they open their tap room because they're just they're dear friends of mine they're amazing people um and they're proximity wise they're less than 20 minutes from from naked so uh anytime i need something in a pinch i'm like hey <laughs> friends <laughs> but hey everyone does it and i think that as long yeah. as you know you play nice and you don't return things dirty mm -hmm. like it's it, yeah it's fair game so there's nice uh, community among brewers and it's not all, you know, not everyone, but like the majority, I would say over majority is extremely friendly and absolutely. And then even more of a wider net are willing to work together in some regard, at least one time to just see For what sure. it's like. Yeah. No, I For think sure. it's awesome. For sure. I always tell people, you know, play nice in the sandbox um, because if you don't play nice in the sandbox, everybody knows that you're the mean kid. And then, you create this bad reputation and nobody wants to play with you. And that gets real freaking lonely. Yeah. And beer is <laughs> fun. So you don't want to be by yourself with beer because no. then like, that's, that's bad. No. But uh, I love people. So <laughs> I couldn't tell, honestly, it was really difficult getting you to show any personality no. or come out at all. But, uh, you know, no, I think I'm, really shy. <laughs> I know. I'm aggressively friendly. I'm, I'm like a golden retriever. It's what I always said. Um, cause I'm an aggressively friendly blonde shedding breed. So, well, I yeah. think that you are the perfect face for, and I can, I, I have to admit something here. I have a problem saying the word naked because I have a little bit of Southern twang from growing up in the South and I say naked. And so okay. I've been naked brewing <laughs> this whole time. And I'm like, no, it's naked. And it's like in the mirrors, na naked. So I just, it, it's all right. But perfect face for the brand that you're building there. I think it's brilliant. I am so excited. Now you have a second location that people can check you out now in Bristol as long we as we do, yeah, which is really cool. So um, our other location in, in Bristol is a tap room. And we are, I don't know if I'm supposed to share this, but I'm going to share it anyway. Uh, we're expanding that tap room and opening the space upstairs. Currently, we're in the bottom floor, which um, walks out in the back and walks out to like a big, gigantic municipal parking lot. And then the river is right there. 
but we are opening um, a tap room upstairs, which will be street level, which is really cool. Um, nice. I was there. Yeah, I was there yesterday. I don't get over there very often because it's um, not exactly close to where I live. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and it's about a half hour from, from this brewery. So, um, doing this hard work and at the end of the day, the last thing you want to do is sit in Philly traffic when it's 110 degrees outside. Like, no, I get it. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But so, yeah. yeah, so I was, I was there yesterday and I, I got to see the construction that they did. Um, so I just got back from vacation. So they pretty much started a lot of the construction while I was gone. Um, and yeah, uh, they cut a hole in the floor or they're putting in stairs to connect the two floors, building the bar. It's going to be a beautiful space. Um, yeah, super, super eclectic, kind of funky, but kind of with this um, warm and welcoming vibe. Yeah, it's just, it's going to be really cool. It's going to be really cool. So essentially, it's going to mirror your personality. They, like, they, yeah. they uh -huh. found a way <laughs> to capture the magic sauce and just say, all right, just give us some of that magic and then we can <laughs> franchise it out. I think it's great. Uh, it's wonderful <laughs> just how um, you have taken a hold of a strong, you know, small brewery and really kind of given them direction and focus as well as them being a place where you can speak out on larger issues without fear of like, hey, we don't do that here. It's not that kind of, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's so important when you work in this industry to be in a space that you're supported by who you work for and okay. so that you can be yourself because unlike uh, many other industries, you can be yourself and be successful in this because people are looking for personality. Beer is all pretty much the same and you can only throw so much different ingredient at it. So you really have to allow the people to be that differing factor that little bit that little rounding error like that's what's going to get you the business in my opinion so i think it's wonderful and i'm sure how wildly empowering is that yeah so there's so many things in that statement that you just All said right. that i'm I like ramble, my I'm insides are, are cheering um but yeah I, to to be in a space that i am supported uh is just amazing it's been it's been honestly it's been career and life changing, I think for me, uh, because I got to spread my wings without the fear of them being clipped. Um, and it's, you know, I, I am supported, I'm, I'm heard, uh, and I'm encouraged to, to be myself, uh, which is, you know, took me a really long time in, in life to be comfortable with who I am, as I think a lot of people probably go through. But when you get to that point where you are comfortable with who you are, being able to be your true authentic self in every facet of your life that includes your work life, because let's face it, we spend a lot of time here. Um, that's just, it's just amazing. Um, and so, yeah, it's- That's yeah. tremendous yeah. and beautiful yeah. and so well put. Uh, I don't think there's a better way for us to end this show than just that beautiful poetry. Uh, Hannah, please let people know where they can follow either yourself or Make naked naked brewing com <laughs> company on uh, on any social channels or any uh, way they can keep up with uh, beer releases and all that fun stuff. Yeah, so uh, naked brewing on um, Instagram, nakedbrewing.bristol, I think is the other handle. I know I should know this. I'm no, I have that in my um, notes. Yep, you okay. got that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then on Facebook, it's it's the same thing. So cool. naked brewing and naked brewing Bristol. Um, and if you want to follow me on Instagram and 
I post a lot in stories. I'm hit or miss on, on actual posts, but stories, I tend to post stupid stuff that I'm doing in the back. But uh, Daisy Chain 18, Daisy with a Z instead of an S. So. I actually caught a little bit of like collateral damage from your uh, last shotgun Friday. Uh, Chris from La Cabra is a good friend. And I was like, uh, why are you shotgunning yeah. beers? And then I was like, followed the channel back. I'm like, oh, that's my yeah. guest for next week. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cool vacation. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Head Brewer, not a female brewery, y'all. It's just Brewer. It's not gendered. It's just Brewer. Head Brewer, Naked Brewing Company. Check them out. Their beer is tremendous. Once again, I'd like to thank Hannah Godet and Wise Markets for making all of this possible today. I'm your host, Mike Lintel, and we will see you next time. Cheers.